finding ways to find that seam. Drive side, wrist shot, score, game tied. His sixth massive sigh of relief for him, and the Oilers have forged a 1 1 deadlock. Dishing off, Eugene Hopkins, one timer, drive side, and that has rematch at the Distance on Clutterbuck. And then what a beautiful stretch. Here's McDavid off the rush. And the rebound trickles home. Sorokin beat. And McDavid gets one to go in. Three, one, Edmonton. They're back. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Saul 50 for November the 14th. Yes, this is show number 50. That, uh, man, it's just gone by in the blink of an eye. And hopefully the abysmal start to the Oilers season is in the rear view mirror after a big win last night over the New York Islanders. The first NHL coaching win for Chris Knobloch. So congratulations to Chris Knobloch. This has been a long journey to get here and very well deserved. Kind of funny how... He was behind the bench for the New York Rangers um, as an interim filling in during COVID. Picked up some wins there, but for some reason, he doesn't get the wins there. This is his first registered NHL win. And you think about, just think about what Chris Knobloch had to, I don't know, undergo in the last two, three days. You get the call. It's a whirlwind. You talk to your family. You say, I'm on my way. You hop on a plane. You end up in Edmonton. You go to a news conference, a media conference on Sunday where everyone's still calling for heads. It's supposed to be the greatest day of your life from a professional standpoint. It's supposed to be the greatest day of your life when you get named to be your first-time NHL head coach, but you have to kind of sit up there on the podium and listen to, I know, still a lot of negativity, still a lot of things from the past, but now, I think now you can look into the future and look forward and see where things go from here. You saw the emotion on his face yesterday morning after the morning skate about, you know, Mark Spector asked him, who helped you? Who helped you get to where you are? You know, he mentioned the coaches, but then his family is still back in Hartford and you could see the emotion and yeah, that video was seen, you know, thousands, thousands and thousands of times. And then after the game, the Oilers win, he gets the puck. He actually had two pucks, one for each kid. Uh, one of, for each of his children. And then the Oilers set up a video conference call, which was pretty cool with his wife to sort of say, you know, congratulations, uh, honey. It's, you know, long time coming, well-deserved. And it is very well-deserved for Chris Snobloch. Having said that, how about after the first minute or two? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Islanders came out pretty hard. The Oilers give up a goal 40 seconds. And this was after the first shift where a couple of shots had to be saved by Stu Skinner, who was magnificent last night with 32 saves, one of the big reasons. The Oilers picked up uh, their first win at Rogers Place. So a uh, big, big victory last night. Hopefully the wheels are in motion moving forward the key word last night was patience you know everyone's they just met each other you heard Zach Hyman say I don't just talk to the guy this morning don't even know him so patience was a big thing last night you could see 
I think the Oilers get more comfortable, the coach getting more comfortable behind the bench as the game progressed. And the Islanders play a suffocating style. There are sticks in lanes everywhere. Sticks go to the point. You know, it's, they're tough to, to get pucks through. They're tough to get passes through. That's the style that the Islanders play. And there's a team that's really uh, hurting right now. But first win at Rogers Place. And the two big guns have two big games. Leon Dreisaitl with his best game in a long, long time. One goal, three assists. Connor McDavid had a goal and an assist uh, that ends an eight-game goalless strike, stro- a drought for Connor McDavid. Uh, Dylan Holloway left the game that had to kind of juggle up the lines in the third period. But for the most part, you saw balance. You saw the lines stay the same. There was a time at the end of the second period a little bit of juggling for a defensive zone face-off. And then the Oilers had an offensive zone face-off and they loaded things up with uh, with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Text coming in, one 401 That's also our phone line. If you want to have a little chit-chat with us on the air, one 401 Give us a call. Text coming in. This was kind of... Uh, Humorous from Man in Crocs. I've already seen Knobloch in Chinatown picking up a few cases of gum. That comes from Colton, which is kind of talking about Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. I guess Colton believes that (laughs) Chris Knobloch looks a little bit like Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. Snare Farmer chimes in with his daily check-in. Good morning, gentlemen. It's one win. How the Oilers play in the next few games will tell us where they are at. 50 awesome shows. Hey, thanks a lot, Snare Farmer. Duke, does it feel like 50 shows for you? Does it feel like, or does it feel like 500? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not 50 shows. It feels more like 200 hours, which is what it is. Obviously. Yes, it's, so yeah, it, uh... it's a lot of, it's a lot of work and you do a hell of a job and thanks for all your hard work that you've done because, you know, we were even saying at the very t- very beginning when we were, you know, getting things rolling here, you know, four hours is a lot in the morning. You know, as the day progresses, it's a little different because you have the ability to kind of, as you say, you're, you're lining up guests and a lot of them are, you have to worry about the Eastern time zone and things like that. So uh, good job by you, Duke, for us. To get 50 is a good accomplishment, and everybody here at 1440, I think our listeners are happy that we're uh, on our way to building something special here to give you, our listeners, content and talk about sports, talk about not only the Oilers, but everything local uh, in the Edmonton sporting world. Um, so thanks for checking in and listening for us, uh, listening with us and being a part of our show, uh, 50 shows in. You know, last night's game, it, it was a slow start. There's no two ways about it. I mean, it was a feeling out process, and I think, I thought that there would be a little more urgency and jump and and things right off the hop. But again, you know, the coach just met a lot of these guys, most of them, on the morning skate. And that's a a situation where you're not exactly comfortable with everything. And you could see maybe, I think you could see Chris Knobloch on the bench just sort of finding his way. You know, he's still got to get to know all these guys. And that's his number one. That is number one priority without a shadow of a doubt. he His number one job is to get to know each and every one guy. The one thing that I took away, I think in his post-game uh, comments, not, uh, and we'll get to some of those at about 7.40, as well as uh, hopefully Zach Hyman and, and maybe someone else, but there were some good, good comments last night, is that he really believes in balance and stability. 
and we we kind of touched on that yesterday and trying to play you know a little bit more of an up tempo style and that's I think the Oilers were playing that I don't think you saw a big difference in the game as far as what the Oilers were doing they got big saves at the right time they scored power play goals in the third period the other key was you could see that this game was going to come down to a mistake like something something's going to happen the mistake that the Islanders committed in the third period was taking two bad penalties. You know, Simon Holmstrom took a bad penalty taking Brett Kulak into the boards. Oilers pump one home on the power play right off the hop. Beautiful play by Connor McDavid. A little flip pass to Zach Hyman in front of the net. Beats uh, Ilya Sorokin 2-1. And then then the Connor McDavid goal was, is, was, a, was a big... Big turning point as well, not just for the team to get a little cushion, but for Connor McDavid to get a goal. You know, he hadn't scored almost a calendar month. You know, had a couple games missed to due to injury, but just to see him score that goal and what a beautiful pass by Leon Drysaddle, a bullet through the neutral zone. McDavid comes in, gets a little help maybe from uh, Noah Dobson. Uh, going hard to the net, and the puck just sort of juggled its way in and bobbled its way in, but an incredible pass by Leon Dreisaitl. One goal, three assists for Dreisaitl. Uh, Evander Kane with an empty net goal, shorthanded. That's a shorthanded goal, too, so the Oilers pick up their first shorthanded goal, a 4-1 victory. Now, the Seattle Kraken are here on Wednesday, and then the Oilers go on the road for four. It is Tampa Bay to kick things off Saturday with a matinee game, and then it's off to Florida with the Panthers, Carolina, and the Washington Capitals. The other thing that was kind of took away from what Chris Knobloch said is you really mentioned Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod. With the way the lines are right now, and if he wants to balance things out, those two guys, and they, and again, Dylan Holloway had to leave the game in the third, in the second period. He went into the boards with about six minutes left, basically right in front of the press box. You could see him go down. He went to the bench and was shaking his left ankle, uh, tried to go again, but didn't. But Chris Knobloch made an obvious point to mention Fogel and McLeod and how he wants to see something build between those two players can that happen you bet it can happen i mean uh, they have really good speed mcleod he liked the way mcleod played last night i think there's still a lot of work to be done there but i think if you can add that element of having a little more support that upward push from the third line upward push from the fourth line you see the commitment to having those guys being in the game, being tuned in, tuned in, toned in, everything where they're invested into the game, critical. One other aspect last night, uh, in the second period, Leon Dreisettle took a cross-checking penalty. It was a retaliatory penalty on uh, Bo Horvat along the far boards. It was a cross-check to the back of the legs. It was a frustrating um, sequence for dry settle. I, and we talked about, I was talking about it with Ryan Rashogin up in the press box. Is it something the league possibly might look at for a fine? Possibly. I think they're, I think it's on the radar today. Maybe not. It gets to that stage, but it was something. And again, just because the league 
they don't like those cross checks things and that and and where it was to the back of the leg there's a chance maybe uh, they look at something. We'll see. Duke, you had a chance uh, to sniff out the game a little bit and Monday Night Football. What did you think of the Oilers game? Yeah, the Oilers came out, and like you said, um, the start of the game was interesting. And that first goal they gave up, almost I think the entire fan base was holding their collective breath, <laughs> yeah. thinking like, uh-oh, here we go again. But but Stuart Skinner played a great game. He made some very big saves and big moments, which we've uh, discussed thoroughly has something this team has mostly lacked uh, throughout the early going of this season. So, And then the the fact that Leon Dreisaitl ends up with the night that he did after, once again, that start where he also looked a little tentative. Like he had the puck right in the slot and opted to try and make a pass out of that area, uh, gets picked off, goes back to the way. So I, I thought the team as a collective bounced back from that start mm-hmm. really well. And um, they had to weather a few storms in their own zone. But for the most part, I thought they carried the pace of play. Uh, obviously, they were quite heavily um, uh, outpaced on the shot yeah. clock. But but once again, Skinner doing his part and making the saves he had to. So overall, a great start. But as Stair Farmer said, uh, just one game. <laughs> this uh, tomorrow night's game against Seattle and this road trip will be a huge, huge test for them to see if they can kind of keep this momentum going. Leon Dreisaitl now with six goals, 13 assists, and 19 points in 14 games. So Seattle here tomorrow night and then again on the road for the next four. We'll hear from uh, head coach Chris Knobloch. Almost said Jay Woodcroft there. But yeah, we will hear from head coach Chris Knobloch and maybe a player or two in the 740 hour. Coming up uh, after the break, we will check in with Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation, part of our puck report. And Liam is also a, a scout for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. We'll maybe touch a little bit on the crew and what's it like to kind of be a bird dog in the AJHL. Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. And then we do the double barrel shotgun Tuesdays and Thursdays with our NHL insiders. It's uh, Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter at 8.20. Every Tuesday, our co-host on the Kevin Carey Show from Palm Desert is Grant Fear, the Hockey Hall of Famer. It will be interesting to hear Grant's thoughts on the Oilers' coaching change, where they're going forward, and in particular, one of his best buddies, Paul Coffey, moving in to the assistant coaching position uh, with the Oilers. At 9.20, Michael Grange from Rogers Sportsnet covers the NBA and the Raptors, of course. And you know what? I mean, the Raptors last night, that was a wild, wild game against the Wiz. That was crazy, the finish with for that one. So Michael will check in with that and just uh, uh, Pascal Siakam at 39 points. I mean, the Raptors were, uh, that was a comeback for the ages. Uh, Washington's no scream in hell, but, you know, still big win for the Raptors. Then at 10 o'clock, kind of little story time with Grant Fuhr. His old teammate Dave Lumley will guest with us in studio. Dave Lumley still holds one of the, I guess, <sighs> Most important, I, yeah, one of the best records in Edmonton Oilers history. You know what that one is, Duke? Ah, Duke is just shaking his head. So in 81, okay, well, I shouldn't have said it this way. Who do you think has, well, I've given it away now, but you would never think it's Dave Lumley. You would always think it's Gretzky, Messier, Anderson, Curry. Most consecutive games with a goal scored. It's Dave Lumley. It is Dave Lumley. Uh, 1981, he went 12 straight. Quite the feat. 
So Dave Lumley will guest with us in studio at 10 o'clock. Be sure to catch that one. He, Lummer, is a piece of work. He'll have a lot of stories, and I'm sure he'll be giving it to Fierzy for that time. When we come back, Liam Herobin from Oilers Nation will guest with us on Sports 1440. It's the Kevin Carrier Show. Stay with us. More right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers coming off a big 4-1 win over the New York Islanders. Time now for the puck report brought to you by... Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December the 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply. And let's welcome in Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation. Good morning, Liam. Welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, after looking at one game under the new regime, it's very difficult to get a take and things moving forward. Let's kind of start what it was like with Oilers Nation, I guess, in the last, I don't know, week or so. So, go back to the game last Monday in Vancouver where it was a lackadaisical effort. And then Jack Campbell gets placed on waivers. And you think that the Oilers would come out hard in San Jose and have a, a big victory and a better effort. But it wasn't the case. And then we know what happened, Liam. So what was the reaction, the feeling that you got from Oilers Nation, I guess, over the course of the last week or so? Well, it's, it's definitely a lot of frustration. and I, I, I think frustration, anger, and almost confusion a little bit, too, of people thinking, like, how is this team where it is right now? And that Vancouver game, funnily enough, we, we hosted a watch-along, and we had to sit there for three hours whilst people just express their thoughts to us once we were watching this game too and watching the others basically just fall apart and then of course you go into the San Jose game and then it doesn't get much better from there and then we go down on the nation vacation to Seattle and thankfully they win and then the Jay Woodcroft news happens but yeah I think overall people are just a little little lost of why this team is playing so bad and frustrated too like the lack of effort from a lot of players and you can just see see where the errors were and they weren't getting fixed. So it's been a, a difficult time, I think you could say, for a lot of fans right now over on Oilers Nation. Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation's our guest on Sports 1440. Then did you feel there was almost, I don't know, I almost felt it was like a sense of relief when there was a coaching change. I never, I never thought it would get to that, I don't know, emotion, if you want to call it that. What was your feeling from Oilers Nation after what happened on Sunday? Yeah, I think I think it was a bit unexpected, but expected news at the same time, which is a, a weird way to put it, I suppose. But, you know, after a win, you didn't really expect Jay Woodcroft to go. And then all of a sudden the news breaks and then you have the press conference, which was, was really weird. So I think the, the coaching change for me was, I, I don't know, it just seems frustrating that this team needed another wake-up call with another coaching change. And I know things haven't gone great this season, but it didn't feel like Jay Woodcroft was the one that had to had to pay the price for, for the way the players had been playing. It felt like they were the ones who were kind of letting things down a little bit. And then, of course, there was other things too with Woodcroft, like the accountability needed to be better. And then also the systems, I guess you could say, in a way too. But when you go back and watch the goals, like, it's just a couple of mistakes from the players that ended up in the back of the net. You were getting saves from your goaltenders, and of course, Jay Woodcroft was the one who, 
he paid the price, but now we've got this new coach and they, they come in last mm-hmm. night and they get the win. So it's a, it's a good start to the new era, I guess you could say. Liam, in your mind, were the systems that noticeable between system to system from last year to the start of this year to maybe after the Heritage Classic? I don't think the system should have played too much of a part when you see plays like against San Jose where Leon Dreisaitl just isn't getting to the middle of the ice to find his man in the slot and stuff like that. Evan Bouchard makes a pinch. It was just... It was just errors that were causing goals and then goaltenders. Like Stuart Skinner has played two really good games in a row. And I think when you go back and look through the season, his season actually hasn't been that bad. There's just been moments like the one against the Dallas Stars where he didn't make the Matt Duchesne save at the start or, or the one against Vancouver at the end where he couldn't stop the Sam Lafferty at the end of the game. And then you look at those moments and you think, it's like, okay, well, there's probably at least at least three points, I would say. You probably go to overtime at least against Vancouver. That would have changed the tide of your season. And if you get those, and Jay Woodcroft's probably here, and we're not even talking about the systems, but now I think everyone's just trying to look at this team and think, well, this system sucks or whatever. But really, it's just the players making so many errors throughout each game. And it's just been these last two where it seems to have been cleaned up quite a bit because they're getting sticks in lanes. They're blocking a bit more shots. They're putting a bit more effort in in front of the goal that the Oilers have been able to get a bit more results. So we can look at the systems all we want, I guess. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the players going out on the ice for 60 minutes and and putting in a shift. Uh, Seattle was terrible, the first win here Mm -hmm. on this little stretch too. So Liam Harobin uh, from Oilers Nation is our guest on Sports 1440. Stuart Skinner has lowered his goals against average to 327. His save percentage goes up to 876. Do you see, like even in just two games, you can kind of see maybe a little more confidence, a little more, you know, he's bigger in that. He feels like he's handling the puck. We haven't seen anything where he's unsure of himself in these last two games. What have you seen from Skinner? Yeah, he's making he's making big saves against Seattle. Was it the first or second shot of the game? He, he made a big stop right yep. in front of his net from that cross pass. That was a big one. A couple more in that game, too. And then against the Islanders, of course, they scored really early on. But from there, I found that he was able to to settle into the crease a little bit. And honestly, against San Jose, I thought he was relatively good, too, mm-hmm. even though they lost the game. The three goals he allowed, I don't think, were necessarily yep. his fault. So, yeah, I think we're seeing a better side of Stuart Skinner now. And, of course, we've got Jack Campbell here in Edmonton at the moment. And just Cal Picard, it's, uh, it's Stuart Skinner's crease until... Something goes wrong, and hopefully nothing goes wrong, and he can just he can just keep rolling. But I think the way he plays is affecting the team massively too. You can see a bit more confidence, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, in the defensive zone with him around him too, knowing that he's now able to make saves for this team when they really need them. Well, the Oilers don't have any back to backs this month, so that is a good sign that you know he can kind of run with it here and not get too fatigued. Uh, if you will. Liam Harobin from Oilers Nations, uh, our guest on Sports 1440. You know, uh, and you mentioned the, the big saves at the right time. Last night, Evan Bouchard could have played the puck up the glass, elected not to. This was in the second period. He was pressured. Uh, the puck kind of hopped off a stick right to uh, Pierre Engvall, and Engvall had an opportunity in the second period. And you just knew that if you could come up with a big save at that time, and Skinner did, 
it would kind of give the team a little more confidence, a little more swagger. And finally, I think we're we're seeing that, Liam. Is there anyone uh, that you think that will benefit more from this coaching change? I think a lot of people are talking about, you know, the balance, maybe guys on the third or fourth line. Do you see anyone come to mind that you think will kind of benefit from the uh, the change behind the bench? Yeah, I noticed it last night that it seemed like you saw guys like Raphael Lafar and James Hamlin playing a little bit more than you usually would. And I remember at the start of the Jay Woodcroft era, actually, when Derek Ryan came out and said it feels like mm-hmm. feels like players know their roles now on this team and they were all getting a little bit more ice time. And then slowly that started to fade away and then we were only seeing those four liners play for maybe five minutes tops in a game, right? So I, I like to see last night that guys like Lavoie were getting the opportunity and I know he didn't score a goal or anything like that, but he was able to create a little chaos and, and do something in the offensive zone, which I think is really good. So hopefully we can see him get a bit more of a spark and I guess just to generalize it a little bit, I think everyone can benefit from this. His team has obviously had a, a terrible start to the mm-hmm. season and now it's an opportunity for all of them to kind of go out there and, and prove themselves once again in front of this new coach. I think a guy like Leon Dreisaitl yesterday, uh, four points. I, I didn't love the cross check he took in nope. uh, in, the, in the second period there. But aside from that, he was he was buzzing around in the first period. Of that, that great chance that would have been a highlight real goal if he was able to get that one-handed shot around uh, uh, the goaltender there. But I think, yeah, this team can, can really benefit from this this fresh start, but especially the, the third, fourth line guys. No Oilers forward was over 20 minutes last night. 1931 was the high for Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl played 1859. That had to do with a number of things. The attempt to balance uh, the, the lines by Coach Knobloch, but there weren't any power plays and there weren't any uh, PKs to hand that ice time off to. So that that offsets things always. Uh, and then with Dylan Holloway being injured with six minutes to go in the second period, that had a big factor as well. As we speak with Liam Herobin from Oilers Nation on our puck report for Fountain Tire. So... Liam, moving forward here, is there something that, you know, in particular you want to see this team institute in the next little, you know, this is a big, big game against Seattle on Wednesday, but then they go on the road for four and it's all kind of through the south in Washington, I guess, too. But is there something you want to see instituted by this team on this uh, next little swing here as we creep up to the all important American Thanksgiving? Yeah, I, I think it's just something that I saw last night and that we just spoke about. I just want to con- see them continue to give the forward group a uh, maximum opportunity to succeed in the same sense of, like, like you said, like there wasn't a lot of pe- special teams yesterday which helped balance things out, but they need the third and fourth line to play games. And that's how this team is going to gonna thrive and continue. We can't just rely on guys like McDavid and Dryside on to put up points every single night because we've evidently seen this last little bit when they don't score, this team doesn't win the hockey games. So I think they just need to instill confidence, I think is the best way to put it in that bottom group to allow them to continue to to play better. Like Ryan McLeod yesterday, I think he's had a difficult start to the season offensively, but yesterday he seemed to have a little bit a little bit of hop in his step, and I, I hope they're able to find something with him because he can be a great player in this league. He just needs to find the offensive touch, and he almost got a little cheeky one yesterday where he, he missed the net by a mile, but somehow he managed to bounce <laughs> yeah. up over and, yeah. and go from there. So I, I, that's what I want to see. I just want to see these these bottom guys, these depth players, just 
give them an opportunity to show what they can do because I think when you get guys like Warren Fogel, who you could argue has been his best player this season, which probably mm-hmm. isn't a very good thing in many ways too, but if he can kind of drive the third line and then it's unfortunate that Holloway it might be out here, but he, he's been doing really well as well. So I just want to see them just implement a team game. I want to mm-hmm. see everyone contribute to this team because that's the only way this, this Edmonton Oilers team is going to hopefully make the playoffs and then go on to win the Stanley Cup. Liam Hurlbin from uh, Oilers Nations, our guest on Sports 1440. Liam, you also dabble in a little uh, junior scouting with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. And man, the Crusaders off to a really uh, impressive start this year with a record of 18-5. and five. Only Brooks with a better record in the AJHL. What's been the key to the Crusaders' success this season? Uh, yeah, I think, I guess starting from the back, our goaltender, Eric Roos, is is an elite junior player. He's one of the best goalies in, in Western Canada. So he's done a really good job for us this season. And we knew Roos was going to come in and thrive. And now he has a, a scholarship to Cornell, which mm-hmm. is great to see. And I think the Crusaders is just a very skilled hockey team. You have a lot of young players like Ryan Zaremba, Diego Johnson, Brock Such, who are all mm-hmm. NCAA Division One players who who are thriving at the moment. And they're all 2006-born players, a couple of them are in a draft year now. And then, also on top of that, our, our blue line is is very strong as well. Dominic Payne, Kate Christensen, Cole Saley. I think we've just been able to, to form a very well-rounded group that every time they go out onto the ice, they're a threat to score and they're a threat not to allow anything in the back of the net too. So we're a dangerous team. We're very fun to watch. We've got a big game tomorrow against the Lloyd Minster mm-hmm. Bobcats in Sherwood Park, I believe. So, yep. yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to, to keep going there through the season. And then, of course, had a big win on the... Saturday against the Spruce Grove Saints, yeah. which is also always a nice thing to have, too. <laughs> Isn't it? One last one for you, Liam. And we had uh, GM Adam's surgery on last week, and you mentioned uh, Stacey, or, well, Stacey Roos' uh, nephew, Eric, going to uh, Cornell. And he said, well, we've got another one, but I can't tell you. I'm assuming that was uh, Kale Dock to Penn State. Uh, he'll be going to Guy Godowski's program in Penn State, another Edmonton guy. As a bird dogger, as a scout, how much satisfaction? What do you feel when you see one of your guys that you you might have scouted, you brought into the program, achieve success at this level, and then the opportunity to move down south? It, it's really awesome, to be honest. It's just really cool to these players just putting all this effort and then get the reward of that scholarship, whether it's like Kale Dock 10 games into his mm-hmm. uh, AJHL career or... Eric Roos, who's now in his second full year. Now, hopefully, we can just keep building that group. So, I started with Sherwood Park as a media intern out of my Nate Radio program. And now, <laughs> when I started there, we had one NCAA player on our team, Ty Reedman, who went to Northern Michigan. And now, I think we have nine on our team. So, it, it's cool just to see, too, like outside of the scouting world, just like how much I appreciate the Sherwood Park Crusaders and, and how far they've come in the six years that I've been around, too. So, Adam does a great job. Brandon and Ryan do a great job on the coaching side of things too. And all our players do a fantastic job earning those opportunities as well. So yeah, it's it's really cool to see those graphics go up with Mm -hmm. whatever school these kids may be going to. And hopefully there's a few more this season too. Thanks for your time, Liam. Appreciate it. Uh, Good luck uh, with Oilers Nation and uh, the Short Park Crusaders. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, that's Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation and the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, brought to you by Fountain Tire, our puck report. Uh, head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and 
brand offerings. When we come back, we'll get to some of your texts. Craig and Red Deer renting Rob the King of Fort Nasty. And uh, one nameless text. That here's another obscure Lumley factoid, which was kind of interesting. We'll get to that one after the break. Plus some Oilers sound from last night's victory, a 4-1 victory over the New York Islanders. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. That's uh, our second break staple here on the morning show. The Duke comes through with his buddy B.A., Brian Adams. Duke, did B.A. ever do a duet with Shania Twain? I don't know. Not don't like know. a studio single but Something one. on stage or something? Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I have to think they would have at some point. They're the two, probably the two most iconic Canadian musicians of all time. So on Sunday, the Oilers had their... Availability with uh, Chris Knobloch, Paul Coffey, Jeff Jackson, and Kenny Holland. And Shania Twain was playing at Rogers on Sunday night. So parking down there, it's it's just a little different. So I got this kind of a special little spot, and I got a place where I can go in, and it's I'm not telling, it's kind of a hidden area. But during events like this, it is a no-no to be going through kind of staged areas or you're supposed to go right directly to the hall of fame room or something like that you're not allowed to go behind and down the tunnels etc but sometimes you know you get a good security guard and yeah just go just kind of just pretend you know you're walking in anyway so i was just hoping that i could bump into shania you know just bump into her and you know i don't know (laughs) would you swoon oh well, I mean, I don't know if swoon's the right word. I probably would have got a picture if I could have. Like Gene Principe, he goes to all these events. All he does is get selfies with guys and girls and whatever. Or, or are these guys and girls getting selfies with Gene Principe? Nah, well, like, I don't know about that. I but know. I just, all I saw was like every box, you know, you have the staging boxes. And when you walk out, if you're familiar with, with Rogers, you know, where the Zamboni comes out, that whole area is torn down and they have it ready for the concert. But there's so many boxes and roadies and people doing this and doing that. I just thought she might be out there for like a mic test or something, you know, like a little air check. I was disappointed. Anyway, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Well, I, I this is from Craig and Red Deer. Morning, guys. I had no idea Liam was South African. From now on, I'm going to read all his articles in a South African accent, and we're sure that's the South African accent. I guess I'm not. I actually am not sure if that is where uh, Liam hails Maybe. from originally. If uh, if it's there or in the UK, Liam, can you let us know exactly where you're from? Just uh, tune into uh, <laughs> any one of their plentiful yes. uh, shows, and maybe just drop a comment in the Oilers Nation YouTube, where you can also watch the Jason Greger show every day from two to six o'clock. Uh, either listening on line on the radio or watching on the Oilers Nation YouTube. So. Uh, just check over there, subscribe, and then uh, next time Liam's live on a video, just drop a comment in and ask him. Ranting Rob texts in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Hey, if you got a call, give us a shout right now too, because we got some time before our eight o'clock guest, Mark Spector. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Ranting Rob, hey Kev, Paul Coffey is our defensive coordinator with. How much coaching experience? How much experience is required to be an NHL assistant coach? Uh, please explain, Ranting Rob. Again, this was a difficult decision at a very early point of the season. A guy, when you're, when you're changing a staff, there are 
pros and cons. It was perplexing, yes, that Paul Coffey came aboard on this staff. He admitted it on Sunday that he never lobbied for this job. And we, we hear all the things from advisor, from the Kate's advisor to the dressing room. We hear it all. Yes, fans run that narrative. However, let's just see what happens here. Let's see what happens because, again, I, I would... I would hazard to guess that Paul Coffey has broken down every minute of every defensive play that the Oilers have done this year, and he knows the game. Paul Coffey knows the game. You might say, well, he was an offensive defenseman. Well, maybe he got to know the defense by watching Charlie Huddy play defense while they were out in the ice for all those years. Let's just see what happens. I mean, you could see the communication on the bench last night. This is going to be a get-to-know process. It's going to be different for Paul. Never done this before, and the players have never had this coming from a Hall of Fame, one of the greatest defensemen, offensive defensemen in NHL history. I understand where the fans are going. This doesn't make sense. Well, let's see if it can make sense. The King of Fort Nasty checks in. Your buddy out there in the Fort Duke. Good morning, boys. We know Skinner can't handle every start. On which game against, who do we see Pickard's debut for the Oilers? Is it Seattle? I don't think so. Not Seattle, not tomorrow, not Saturday. Uh, This is going to be a run with Stuart Skinner situation. Possibly, maybe on the road trip, maybe Pickard gets a game. But again, these games are all, it's the Oilers after tomorrow night's game, they got two days off. Then basically the Oilers schedule is a checkerboard for the rest of the month. Colin says, see if it can work is not a sound strategy. Uh, yeah, I get it. Well, what do you want? You want you want to get, you want coffee out right now? Is that what you want, Colin? Is that what you want? Let's get rid of coffee. Get let, There's no reason Paul Coffee should be there. Let's get rid of him. I think Paul Coffey, and you know what? Here's a, here's a situation. We're going to hear exactly what we can, uh, we'll get a really good take from Grant Fear on this. And you're going to go, yeah, you know, an old teammate. That's what you're going to, I know that's what you're going to say, Colin. That's what you're going to say. But, I mean, was there anything totally crazy last night with the Oilers defense? Was it simple? Yes. Was it, was there a few mistakes? Yes. That's going to happen. Eric Bouchard had the opportunity again in the second period, dump it off the glass, get it out. Decided to make a different kind of play. Went up the middle. It landed off a, uh, off a stick and into the slot. That's what happened. Uh, Let's hear from Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch right now. Uh, after the game, Knobloch was asked about, you know, did he get the game puck? And then what happened in the Oilers dressing room after that game? Hey, Chris. Um, just wondering, did you get the game puck? Uh, where is it going and what does it mean for you to, to be able to, to get this first NHL win? Um, I did get the game puck. Um, it felt incredible. It's going to be a souvenir. Um, I had a game puck um, on my desk before the game started and I was like oh I've only got one and I've got two kids and then we won and I got two so now we can make everyone happy and um, maybe I won't tell them which one's the game puck and one's the, the souvenir puck um, and then after the game they did something really special they had on the uh, video on the TV um, they presented the puck and um, yeah they had my wife on the uh, TV 
just saying a few words and you know that was that was very nice of them to do how you know the players and mentioned Zach Hyman was kind of chuckling like hey you know I can't really comment I just I just met him today and you know it'll take some time you, you talked about how you want to get through each player Chris you have a game like this can you kind of maybe give us a sense of what happens in the next few days and and is there a percentage of the system you want to implement each game like what's a realistic number as you look to improve and install you know different things over the course of the next month or two months um yeah, it's going to be slow. Um, I'm not sure how much we're going to change, and it's it's difficult to, in the uh, in the American League in junior hockey. If you want to change, it's easy. You might have Monday to Thursday to practice. Sometimes you know three, four days, and then play on the weekend. So you can say today we're going to be doing defensive zone, and you can do all the defensive zone drills to change and make that happen. And then the next day you can move on to the next thing. And then the, it's so easy. Here it's a little bit different because you're playing every second day. Um, you're only practicing maybe, I don't know, 20 to 30, maybe 40 minutes, depending on how that practice is going to go. Um, so really it's not, it's, it's difficult to do that. So, uh, so really to answer your question, I'm not sure because it's been such a whirlwind and um, – I haven't really dove into our schedule to say we can do this here, we can do this this day, and I don't know, I guess we'll be um, taking some time. I think we have a little, few, a little more time, you know, when we go on that road trip. Uh, we got two days off between games, you know, we'll probably address some more things then. That's Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch following last night's game. Text coming in to one 401 Again, a little burr under the saddle now with the Paul Coffey talk. Uh, Derek comes in. Paul Coffey played for the best NHL coaches. Say, Muckler, Johnson, Bowman. I'm sure something rubbed off on him. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Doug, let's uh, go to Doug on line number one. Doug, you're on Sports 1440. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Hey, Kevin, listen, you were talking about Skinner going forward for the rest of the year and pictured as a bit of a backup or whatever the case may be. But uh, I guess I'm looking back to last year, Mm -hmm. the last half of the season when Skinner, he basically, he ran the net for the majority of it uh, uh, right into the playoffs. And come playoff time, to me, former goalie looking at it, uh, it looked to me like he wore out a little bit during the playoffs. I agree with you, Doug. There's no doubt about that. I only said to the end of this month that the Oilers checkerboard because now they still have time. You know, we're so early in the season as the fact that, you know, we've got time. The Oilers have time in their mind to figure things out, whether it be another goaltender coming in or whatever direction, right? But this month, right, this month is okay. Right, but that's my question, Kevin. What is the answer going forward? It's so tough to make a deal during the season, as we've talked about mm-hmm. in the past, right? Uh, to get a, a, a competent backup, whoever that may be, what's it going to cost mm-hmm. you? Again, this is things you're going to have to figure out, but it might cost you, it, right? But, yeah, <laughs> but you know exactly, Doug. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And you know what? They're just going to buy themselves some time this month. Let's go to Brian on line number two. Brian, you're on Sports 1440. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. So, uh, you know, here's the thing. I think until we get into, you know, about 10 games into the uh, Knobloch era, 
we're gonna. You, you know exactly what's going to happen with uh, with Oilers Nation. If they if they bomb out, everybody knew that Knobloch wasn't the answer. Mm-hmm. If they uh, go on a winning tear, suddenly, <laughs> oh, it was the greatest thing that you know, yes. twice back. <laughs> welcome to Edmonton and welcome to the fan base, and that's how it goes, isn't it? Yeah, you know, but I do agree. I think they need to get they need to try and get the card in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably in the next game or two, yep. and uh, you know, let let him get his feet wet again. Okay. Uh, and as I said, uh, Brian, you know, as I do. said, you know, let I mean, Skinner starts tomorrow. There's no question about that. Then you got a couple of days days off. You got four on the road. There is, as I said, there is a game in there that you could get pickered in. But for now, Absolutely. let let Skinner run. We're so early. We're so early in the season. There's no way that you're you're burning a guy out at this stage of the game. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, if if anything, uh, I mean, you're gonna uh, towards the end of the the season, mm-hmm. you're gonna maybe you know give him a few rests here and yep. there. So, so he's ready for the uh, for the playoffs. You but, betcha. Hey, Brian, um, thanks thanks for your call. Appreciate it. We're just up against the break. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, phoning in. Uh, keep those calls coming in. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll get to some of them uh, around eight forty if we can, because we've got Mark Spector coming up at the top of the hour with Frank Saravalli uh, at eight twenty. Before that, time now for a sports fourteen forty update. This. Update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.